So I get the excitement for the Virginia Tech fans after the 41-20 victory in the Military Bowl yesterday, as you heard it on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, because this was not even Virginia Tech's most crisp performance. And yet, in spite of that, Virginia Tech gets a victory. Brent Pry at halftime, how Virginia Tech had just taken a 17-10 lead going into the break, very blunt, sloppy first half, but yet they were still in the spot to do everything they wanted to do. Yeah, that's a big possession. You know, and we're not playing great, particularly on offense. We're sloppy right now, but we're making enough plays, you know, to garner 17 points. Um, making enough plays to get 17 points. So in spite of the issues Virginia Tech had, look, it became apparent last night or yesterday afternoon. Kind of felt like night, you know, these days where it's rainy, torrential rain, and it's cloudy. Obviously, if it's raining full bore, it's going to be cloudy and torrential rain. But for Virginia Tech, that's kind of where it was. And even when the second half began, and it went back and forth, Virginia Tech, 24-17 lead. They extended to 27-17, but they cough up the ball, and it goes 27-20. And then Virginia Tech scores again. Benji Gosnell... 34 to 20, and you felt like at that point the pressure was really on Tulane. And Tulane had moved the ball actually fairly well in spite of having an injury at quarterback. They were on their third string quarterback, because of course starter Michael Pratt opted out of the bowl game to protect, uh, I don't know what, mid round draft pick status for him, although he could enter the transfer portal. So Tulane's down 34 20, yet they'd still move the ball, and they actually broke off a big run, and then this happened. From the 32 yard line, snap comes back, they are going to throw it. They flip it to the right, Horton lets it go, and it's caught by the tailback. Breaks free, and he has the first down to the right to the 42 and dropped the ball. Squirts free in Tulane, and the Hokies try to come up with it. And, they and it. Tech has it on the 42. Philip made the hit to cause the fumble. That popped free, and then like that wet bar of soap, squirting on the shower floor, Delane was able to come up with it. That thing was squirting around out there. The Hokies come up with a loose ball. How about that? That was the call that you heard. I don't know if we need the wet bar of soap analogy for everybody out there in the world. Uh, you know, There's some people, you might envision that scenario, and you're like, all right, that's okay. There are others where you're like, really? That's the one we have to think about? But... Alas, Ty. Virginia Tech, in spite of that, by the way, did you have nightmarish thoughts when you heard that? Nah, I'll tell you this. What was worse last night? You watched a bowl game with uh, North Carolina, West Virginia, the Dukes Bowl. Yes. That was out of control. The commentators were going out of control. The amount of times they were dipping mayo. Yeah, and then they say you were getting mayo up. I was like, okay, this is getting out of control. Then the coach, the, the coach, you saw his face the whole time. He did not want to like touch the mayonnaise at all. You could tell by his face. It was so... I like mayonnaise, but it was like... You dumped a whole mayonnaise on me. I kind of feel disgusted now. Uh, yeah, I mean that that that's a whole different ordeal. And when remember when Virginia Tech actually played in that game in Charlotte, it was uh, a department store chain who's not a sponsor of ours. They were the sponsor, not the Mayo Bowl, which was the one in North Carolina last night. But you know, for Virginia Tech, I mean, I guess that's a worse analogy. I don't know. Share your thoughts with us. Which one would be a worse visualization? People finding the bar of soap on the shower if it's not you know someone extremely attractive or if it's the idea of getting Duke's Mayo dumped on the head of anybody out there, because that just looks disgusting every single time they show it. So weigh in, Ty Tracy 90, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Ty Tracy 90, and Fast Lane, Ed Lane 
are the social media platforms to connect with us. We'll get to those thoughts later today or tomorrow in the fast lane. Then we're off Monday. Liberty's playing in the New Year's Day bowl game that day. Uh, we're not carrying that, but uh, we're off Monday. We are back Tuesday. Trey Lyle should be back with Utah Tracy, and then I'll be back Wednesday. I'll be driving, flying back in and driving back uh, from the trip down to Arizona for that fast lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, and stuff. Beside all the sidetrack point, we played the highlight of the fumble by Tulane. It was not a run play. It was a, a swing pass, which is basically a pseudo run. It's another way of running the football without actually handing it off for a QB keeper, which Virginia Tech, by the way, did extremely well yesterday. Kyron Drones over 200 yards rushing. Basial Tutin had 138 himself. So, I mean, Virginia Tech did it well. But those swing passes, bubble screens, tunnel screens, little open, short, flat route passes, a lot of those are designed runs to not actually run the football. So Tulane was moving the ball effectively in spite of that, but they coughed it up. And then at that point, you knew this was going to come. And at this point, you felt much better about Virginia Tech and their ability to get a win. On first down, the handoff goes to Tootin. Starts to his left. Cuts back to his right. Explodes up the middle, and he scores. Touchdown, Tech. Basil Tootin started left. Then he cut back on a dime to his right. Racing through the two-lane defense for a touchdown. Man, he's got so much speed, so much talent, so much quickness, field vision. Just took that one in from 12 yards out. And the Hokies have doubled up Tulane. It's 40 to 20 here with 9.33 left. With the extra point on the way, by the way, that crackling you heard, that that speaks to how sloppy the game was yesterday. The crackling was not a bad wireless connection or you know poor audio quality on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app as we carry Virginia Tech football games, or did this past year, and now we'll be carrying basketball games the remainder of the way. It was the volume of raindrops that came down at Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. It was torrential down there in Annapolis. For Virginia Tech, though, they had the running game working very effectively. They did it much better than Tulane, 7.3 yards per carry to 4 for Tulane, which means Tulane moved the ball somewhat effectively, but there just wasn't a lot there. And then when Kai Horton went out and the backup came in, it's really all that there was. Uh, And then Horton came back into the game. But again, it was a lot of screen passes, a lot of short plays. And Virginia Tech did very well. And here's where you look for the future for Virginia Tech. Points of optimism. One is the idea that when Virginia Tech struggled to throw the football, only 91 yards passing on 21 attempts, which, you know, obviously the the percentages and numbers aren't great when you look at that. And it became obvious that it was going to be a challenge for Virginia Tech because they had a couple of turnovers themselves. But through all that for Virginia Tech... You felt like when you needed to find a way to reassert control of the game, the coaching staff was not so stubborn that they had to stick with our beautiful mind passing game. Dude, it's a torrential downpour. Screw that nonsense. Run the daggum football and just do what you can do. And Virginia Tech, as Brent Pry noted, it was offensive line play that enabled the Virginia Tech Hokies to seize control of the game by running the ball. Yeah, I tell you, you go back and look, anytime we've played well and scored a bunch of points, we've been able to run the football. I mean, we have to do that. That's who we are at Virginia Tech. That's who we are, running the football. Now, realistically, a lot of it was schematic throughout much of the year, but as Kyron Drones noted when he, too, much like Brent Price, spoke in the post-game show on the Virginia Tech Radio Network, as you hear on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, Kyron Drones mentioned that it was offensive line play in this particular game, 
that paved the way for him and Basial Tootin to have a combined 238 yards rushing. Uh, that was just credit to my old line. Just we knew we rely on them with it being a rainy day, rainy, rainy day, and then we just knew we had to be more physical. They had to be physical up front, make gaps, and then I was just able to run the ball, make people miss, and then just get going. 8.2 yards a carry on average for Kyron Drones and Basial Tootin, and it's a large sample size, by the way. 38 carries, so it's not like it's you know, 8.2 with five carries where you're like, okay, really. For Virginia Tech, that's what it was. And so they adjusted their schemes offensively throughout much of the year. They found a way to go to the ground game. They were not so stubborn to stick with pass game designs or play calling. And that's kind of the story of Virginia Tech for much of this year. And it was encapsulated by what Brent Pry said after the game, which kind of mirrors what we mentioned uh, when we played his halftime interview with the Virginia Tech Radio Network. But here was Brent Pry after the game about the win being so satisfying, especially because they played well, but it was not as good as they could have played. It feels awesome. You know, I'm just so proud of the guys. I mean, we didn't play great today. We played good. We made plays. We hung in there. We kept playing. We kept fighting. Good job by the coaches and the players hanging in there. Um, you know, it, it was a, a heck of an effort. All three phases made plays that were important to us. You know, putting 41 on the board. Things might have gotten out of hand 55-3 if we'd just been better with the football. You know, it sounds braggadocious for Brent Pry to say that, but first and foremost, remember he was speaking on the Virginia Tech radio network as you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. It was less of a press conference setting and more to the network where it's by and large designed, although uh, we know not everybody who listens on our stations are Virginia Tech fans. Some of them are just football fans who like listening to games on our stations. But by and large, the, the people he's addressing there are Tech fans. So you are trying to keep that excitement going for the fan base. And to be honest, there's a lot of momentum that does come from this bowl win, and Brent Pry was willing to go there and acknowledge that this program is in a very good spot where fans can dare to be excited heading into 2024. Uh, we got a lot of momentum right now. You know, we got a long ways to go. There's a lot of things we have to improve on, but I'm certainly proud of, of where we're at right now, the direction we're going. We keep moving that needle just a little bit more and more in the right direction to be the type of team that we want to be. They're slowly but surely doing that as Brent Price spoke in a rain-filled a Navy Marine Corps stadium in Annapolis after the Military Bowl victory yesterday. But it's not wrong. I mean, Virginia Tech started off 1-3 and three at the beginning of the year. And you kind of have your, you know, come to Jehovah, Allah, Jesus, Moses, you know, whomever you worship meeting. And Virginia Tech did that. They changed up some of the offensive play calling. They got more physical in the running game. Yes, there was some smoke and mirrors aspect to it. I thought the O-line played better, but it wasn't spectacular. Again, I kind of... Scoff at the specifics of PFF grades, as we have mentioned many times in the fast lane, but I think they can generally paint a decent picture, and that is that Virginia Tech's uh, offensive line was better but not spectacular over the back half of the season, but it speaks to the fact the coaching staff was willing to get creative scheming up the offense for Virginia Tech. So that is great. That's one of the positives. Here's more, though, to this. For Virginia Tech also, they did that, and, and it also created a level of resolve for their team, the way they responded after the beginning of the year and the rough start is Kyron Drones mentioned when speaking on the Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show yesterday. Uh, we just got tired of that feeling. We knew uh, the season was going to have ups and downs. Yeah, it didn't go how we wanted it to in the beginning, but we knew we just had to take it one game at a time, 
and then just go out there and go 1-0 and each week, and that's what we were able to do, go to a bowl game and then get that win. I, I get it. We can all laugh at the 1-0 and each week comment, whether it was there on the Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, or whether it's just generally speaking, anytime Brent Pry seems to speak to a Hokie Club or to the media or in any public setting. But instilling that mindset and keeping it focused in 18 to 23-year-olds, it, it did pay dividends for Virginia Tech over the course of the season. It also showed in what they did for the majority of the way. And now, yes, there is legitimate momentum for Virginia Tech from that bull win. Oh, it's a momentum change. We already had momentum with the recruiting we were doing. And then it just even evolves it even more. Just having momentum going into offseason. You never want to go in with a losing season. So going off 7-6, and six, that's a big thing for us. The win, the finish to the season, including the dominant victory at UVA 55-17, retaining pretty much everybody that this program wanted to. Sometimes your best recruiters are your players if they're satisfied with the direction things are going. And when you retain as many players as Virginia Tech did in the lead-up to this game, Basial Tootin and Kyron Drones, the four wide receivers, two defensive backs in Dorian Strong and Monsoor Delane, the defensive lineman Josh Fuga in, in, included in that particular group along with Antoine Powell Island. That's a lot of guys, Virginia Tech, they were able to keep around. And if you look at the transfer portal, and maybe Daquan Wright lands somewhere with a big-time NIL program, maybe there's somewhere else he goes, but he's the one guy of note that you lost, and he hasn't popped up anywhere yet in a time where, outside of the quarterbacks, Cam Ward, Miami or Florida State, maybe Ohio State, DJ Uyunglele, Walker Howard from Kansas State, those are guys that their destination is still not known. A lot of others have landed in spots where you'd expect them to go. Now, while Wright may go somewhere else, and if he's you know being pursued heavily by an SEC school that can offer him the bag, fantastic. Good for him. But for Virginia Tech overall, this is really good for them right now. There is actually a lot of momentum, and I, that's where I believe a lot of what's been said afterwards for Virginia Tech. Speaking of the momentum of the Hokies, Chris Coleman, TechSideline.com. We'll weigh in more on that in about 10 minutes, 5.30 today in the fast lane. And yes, we will get to more on the Liberty Flames, which is what we do to discuss things right now in the Fast Five at 5-ish after we remind you that if you're done shopping, but you need to take care of yourself, maybe you need some deals for yourself after being pinched in the wallet throughout the holiday season, InsaneRadioDeals.com Fast Take is a convenient way to remind you that at InsaneRadioDeals.com, we have Yamada Japanese barbecue gift cards, 20% off the list price. BNC Sports, Fleet Feet, Roanoke, and Sequest of Lynchburg experiences, 40% off the list price. Don't just think about the remainder of the holiday season. Think beyond that. January, February, and the weather's nasty. What are you going to do? Sequest of Lynchburg, a great activity for the kids. When the weather gets better, Botatai Golf and Swim Club passes. They're 60% off along with Aqua Trek Adventures and 80% off Crosswide Athletic Club and... A sea of red.com club passes at insaneradiodeals.com. Speaking of the Liberty Flames, more on that now in the Fast Five at Five ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five ish. Five fast paced, quick witted things you need to know right now. Number five. The Liberty University team plane shuttling the football team as well as a number of personnel executives. But what a rough day for them yesterday. They were supposed to fly out of Lynchburg, but fog meant they had to reroute the starting point for their trip to Arizona from Lynchburg all the way 
to Richmond. So they bust over there. They took a flight. They ended up landing at almost nine, almost 10 o'clock local time down there. What a long day. But for Liberty, they are settled in. Everybody got in there as safe as can be. We will preview that matchup with Oliver Hodgkinson of collegefootballnetwork.com around 545 today here in the fast lane. But it is one of those things to keep tabs on just to see if more adversity strikes Liberty when they are already a 16.5 to 17-point underdog, depending on where you might look for that matchup. Which, by the way, we'll preview in greater depth tomorrow with John Manson from acfride.com and hopefully WSET's Dave Walls as well. Number four. Speaking of Liberty, the team that they defeated in the Conference USA Championship game has a much tougher path to repeating that success. Jerry Kill stepping down as head coach, the school naming former UNLV headman Tony Sanchez as the new head coach. Uh, Sanchez was not exactly spectacular at UNLV for the running Rebels. Um, since his departure, they have ascended, including that thrilling bowl game the other night against Kansas. Uh, but Jerry Kill did wonders with that program. He got them to a 10-win season this year. He got them to bowl eligibility last year. They played hard for him. The players rallied around him, including that rough start to the season, as evidenced by their strong finish, including that victory down at Auburn. But for New Mexico State, I mean, let, let, let's think about this for a second. It's in New Mexico. They don't have much history of winning. It's a tough place to recruit. There's not a big NIL base. That is going to be a really difficult job for someone else. And I get if you're a Liberty fan, you would maybe want a rival to be crippled. In this case, not so much. If I'm a Liberty fan, uh, this is not good news for Liberty because New Mexico State was a strong team in this conference and you need other strong teams to boost the reputation of Conference USA when James Madison is bowl eligible, although they have a new head coach in the near future. App State, other bigger brands are in conferences like the Sun Belt, the AAC, which features Memphis and UAB, as well as the Mountain West Conference. For Liberty, having New Mexico State down, no bueno. Number three. Speaking of that part of the country, but people going from that area, Texas specifically, to the East Coast. Good for Duke getting Malik Murphy, the quarterback from Texas who entered the transfer portal. He committed to Manny Diaz. Um, This is a good building block. He'll have multiple years of eligibility remaining. This is a Duke program that, let's not kid ourselves, doesn't have the NIL war chest of others. And there's not a lot of info out there on Malik Murphy other than he could never beat out Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning. But you know, for Duke, you still get a guy that's a four-star talent in terms of capability. You get a guy, Manny Diaz at Duke, who has the spirit to recruit. I get their limited means and resources, but kind of called a raw deal at Miami when they wanted to change and get Mario Cristobal in there. I, if I'm a Duke fan, I'm excited about this addition of Malik Murphy to a team that, you know, you need... Any spark you can potentially get in, let's be honest, it's very rare that there are four-star guys walking through the doors in Durham for football, that is. Number two. UVA adding two student-athletes, wide receivers, to their latest football signing class. Trial Harris, Quintrell Harris, who comes into UVA from Kent State, and Andre Green Jr. Yes, he of St. Christopher's over in Richmond and formerly with North Carolina, who will transfer to Virginia. Look, it doesn't address the big concern. They added one center from UCF to their class, and Virginia needs help on the offensive line, and they need depth on the defensive line. And frankly, you can debate whether this coaching staff can actually develop the talent and handle the in-game challenges. But if there's one positive you can say about this staff, it's in their couple years that in spite of losing, 
obviously we know about the tragedy that took Lavelle Davis Jr. But losing other guys, Dontavian Wicks early to the draft, Billy Kemp to the transfer portal as well, they have been able to replenish the wide receiver position at UVA and bring in decent talent. And they brought in a couple of players at those skill positions. Is it enough for next year? I have my doubts. But it means at least they have some level of momentum. And let's be honest, if you're Virginia, 13 players and now adding seven transfers, this is really good for Virginia because you have a coaching staff that theoretically they need to operate under the presumption that we got to get it right this year or else there may not be a next year. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Back to Virginia Tech. Kevin Gilliam, 6'3", 295-pound defensive tackle from Oklahoma. He committed to Virginia Tech today. It's the third defensive tackle in this class. I, I really like this for Virginia Tech, and here's why. You've got two other defensive tackles, and Aeneas Peebles, the guy who transferred from Duke, along with the one Copeland, Kamari Copeland, who is from the Virginia Beach area and was at Iowa Western Community College. Both of those guys are more the 6'1", 285 guys. They're more fire hydrants. They're quick. They can shed blocks, but they're not big. You need guys that can eat up space. And Gilliam has the athleticism at 6'3", 295, but got lost in the shuffle at a place like Oklahoma. For Virginia Tech, he's got multiple years of eligibility. It's a position of need. It brings in a level of competition, and it gives Virginia Tech flexibility for the fact that there are a lot of younger guys outside of the three that they brought in to keep those guys in more of a developmental role and focus on their strength and getting bigger from year to year as opposed to feeling like you have to play them in the early going. That's why I really like this addition for Virginia Tech, and you can never have too many good defensive linemen. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, more on the Hokies. The win in the Military Bowl, the additions over the last couple of weeks, and what they mean going forward. Chris Coleman, TechSideline.com, steps into the Fast Lane next here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and the Virginia Talk Radio Network. 